You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you're here today. Hey, I want to give you a little bit of a heads up today because I'm going to do a little bit of a heavier topic here. And um, so I always just, whenever I do this, I always want to give you guys a heads up. So if you don't have your AirPods in, or if you got some little ears tuning in, this might be one that at least the first half of this, you might want to give a listen on your own first. And, And then I just like to ask you guys to be discerning about the age appropriateness for your kiddos on if they hear this. I know I hear from moms sometimes that they listen to this in the car and their kids can here. And most of the time, that's awesome, right? Because I, my hope is that we always incorporate a lot of scripture on the Devoted Podcast and and just keeping us in the Word. But I am going to deal with a little bit of a heavy topic at the, at the first half of this. And so I just want to give you a heads up on that. So where I want to go today is this was sort of sparked, I don't know, it was probably a month or so ago that a pretty awful survey came out from the CDC that was giving a little bit of a status of mental health of it was it was over a range of age groups and male and female but specifically the one for teenage girls was really startling and it and so i wanted just to just kind of take a step back as we see some of these things in culture that are kind of gross you know we see some stuff on mental health and where we're at as a culture is really sad in a lot of ways. It, it, it there's just no there's not a lot of positives when it comes to the status I guess of our mental health today. It's not good. It's declining at best. I think you could, you know, easily say and according to some of these studies it's it's kind of in near crisis mode. And and so why is that? You know? Sometimes we can we can just kind of barrel through life and kind of see all the negative news all the time and go, well, yep, that's just how it is, and not pause and see what the prescriptive should look like. Now, the world's got a whole host of things that they think that we need to fix this problem with. And I think we can easily see the things that they're trying to do aren't working real well, you know? The why behind that for me is that there is a spiritual link here with where we're at mental health with our society, and specifically we're going to talk about for girls, for teenage girls, there's just a spiritual link here. It just it just is. And the world ignores that. They want to say it's a whole bunch of other reasons that this mental health crisis is there. And maybe even if, if they just don't really want to talk about the reasons, their antidotes are definitely not on par with what the Bible would ask us to do, you know? So as Christians, we want to look at these things biblically and say, hey, let's look at where we are. Let's not be silly. Let's not put our head in the sand and act like this is not a thing that is affecting our girls and our society around us. But then let's actually look through it through the lens of scripture to see how this should be viewed. But there's absolutely very first step here is we got to recognize that there is a spiritual link here. I've done a, a couple episodes specifically just on depression. And in fact, the very first episode that we ever did on the Devoted Podcast, and this one still just kind of cracks me up that when I felt like the Lord was leading me to do this, and then I really prayed about, man, what would what would that first episode <laughs> look like? It happened to be my testimony, my story with depression, which wow, that's just a really uplifting thing to start off with. But I felt so strongly that that was what the Lord 
wanted me to do even for the very first episode. And it's come up time and time again. And, and I know for gals, this is just something that a lot of people struggle with. So you, we've done some episodes just on depression and that facet of mental health. So I, I did the very first episode of the Devoted Podcast. You can check that one out. And then not too long ago, it's episodes, I, I think, 88 and 89. And we will link those in the show notes. I did two back-to-back on depression. And one was called Why Are We Depressed? And the second one was What Now? And um, I, if, you've, if you've struggled with depression, if you know someone who has struggled with depression, or you're trying even to figure out how to encourage someone who might be really struggling with that. I would really strongly recommend you go listen to those because there's a little bit of my own story in that, but I think we also need to really examine kind of the error of where we have been told to go as far as with medicines and different things like that over the last, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years that is not, again, treating it as a, there's the spiritual link there that we just cannot deny. So you might check those out if just on the specific issue of depression, if you've not checked those out before. But the thing we need to, before we like dive into some of these, I want to give us just a a couple things to hang on to as we talk about this kind of heavy topic here. But we need to be reminded, first of all, we are created in his image, his image. We are body and spirit, and one does not exist without the other. Like, I mean, he, he created us this way, and they go together. And also, I want to give us a little bit of a premise here as a scripture here, Colossians 3, 1 through 5, before we dive into this. And, and that says, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, or evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. There's so much in that verse. I just want to sit there and just talk about those first few verses. But that second verse right there that said, set your minds on things that are above. There's a whole bunch of things that we could talk about when it comes to mental health that that is a amazing fix right there to setting our minds on the things that are above that we're, that our life is hidden in Christ and that we aren't to think about the things that are on the earth and all the nonsense and 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 dwell on those things but we need to set our minds on things that are above. So let's let's keep that kind of at the forefront of our brain as we as we kind of talk about these things. So I mentioned some of those stats that were brought up in that CDC report. And and it was kind of dire, like I said, across the board for teen boys, it wasn't awesome. But for teen girls, it was particularly sad. So I just want to give you some highlights out of that. So out of 17,000 U.S. high school students, that's who was surveyed here. And this was late in 2021. So this is a pretty recent survey that was done. Nearly 60% of teen girls reported persistent sadness or hopelessness. Okay, 60%, that would be high. 10% of teen girls surveyed and 20% of LGBTQ plus teens that were surveyed said that they had attempted suicide. This is a 60% increase from a decade ago and double the rate of boys making such an attempt. 
Now, sometimes people think that, oh, maybe this was so bad because of the lockdowns and everything that happened with COVID. While some of that is possible, a lot of people that have analyzed this data think that what is likely is that just what happened over COVID and the lockdowns and all of that kind of stuff just amplified or maybe even accelerated something that was already something that the teens were already feeling it was there that the just really what happened in the last few years just amplified and accelerated it so there that's some positive news but i i just want to add that because i don't think it's necessarily at least that's not what this data is suggesting that it's only because of the covid stuff but it certainly seemed to make it worse now here's a couple interesting things that they also said out of this study It said that the study suggests that even though we have a larger vocabulary for mental health, fewer cultural stigmas surrounding mental health conditions, and more access to mental health services, these factors simply aren't improving mental health outcomes for this group. I found that line particularly interesting because like I started this just with saying that there is just, there just is a spiritual link to this. There just is. And you can see the worlds and the and you know all of the different antidotes they try to slap onto this and they'll say oh you know what we just need more awareness about mental health or we need to remove the stigmas and and so they're pointing out that that's that's what our, the world's done they've supplied all of these solutions of saying hey we can fix this if we just have more awareness if we have more access to mental health services if we you know have good vocabulary and people understand and we make it so it's not such a terrible thing to talk about mental health and depression and anxiety and all these different things if we just do that then it'll be better right well clearly that's not worked right because we're showing a dramatic increase not even we're not even staying stable. We're not even, you know, treading water here. It's going up even though we have all of those things in place. We have the higher, more vocabulary for it. We have removed stigmas and we have more access to mental health solutions, supposedly, than ever before. So the world's response and the world's answers are clearly not working here. The world seems to think, you know, that they can solve this stuff apart from God. And it, it just keeps doing this. It just keeps trying. It just keeps trying to make another, you know, national mental awareness, mental health day or whatever it wants to do. And it's really, it's just spinning its wheels. And they think, well, we, we just need some more Hollywood actors out there to do more commercials about it or, you know, go to the White House and talk to it. And, you know, that is just never, ever, ever going to fix it. And our problem is it's just a spiritual one and we need to stop ignoring that. And I and I'm I think I feel so strongly about this one is because I sometimes think that gals, us as Christians, are kind of giving into more of the world solutions for this and not really pausing to think that, oh, maybe that isn't working. Because the gospel is always going to be the solution to that. And I there's so many people that kind of roll their eyes and like, like, oh, that's being too simple. And that's all that stuff. It, it's just not. And we're going to talk about some of the scriptures when we get to the bottom of this, because the Bible addresses all of these things. And that's why I wanted to start off with that passage in Colossians on just the very simple line of setting your mind on things that are above and not the things of the earth. We, we can get that, that we can make sense of. And that is something that's where we need to start is setting our minds on how God created us, on how God views us, on what he wants for us, and not all this other stuff down here. So let's talk about why 
perhaps, if we're kind of peel some of what have been some of the things that have aggravated this whole issue on why are girls feeling persistent sadness or hopelessness? And I think the way they were, uh, the age group, by the way, for this was, I think it was like 12 to 17 was the age of this. But I want to give you some other stats that have kind of walked a parallel track to these statistics. Because it's important to observe what teenage life looks like, you know, what's the what's the how and the why behind even how their days go, you know. So let's observe teenage life just a little bit. This is probably not a super startling statistic to many of you because I feel like it's been reported a ton. But the average screen time for teens today is about seven and a half hours every day. Seven and a half <laughs> hours, okay? Now, the recommended daily screen time is two hours. And then with children under 18 months, the recommendation is to have no screen time at all. And there's there's even, you can look at this, there's all kinds of research. I'll try to throw some of these links where I got some of the stuff in the notes in case you guys are curious and want to read a whole bunch of really boring stuff. That CDC statistic report I told you about is like 80 pages long, so enjoy. But they break this out into, you know, eight to 10 years old. The re- uh, What is happening is they have about six hours of screen time. 11 to 14 years old have about nine hours of daily screen time. And then 15 to 18 year olds are about seven and a half. Wow, that's high. 75% of two-year-olds and 67% of two to five-year-olds spend more time in front of the screen than is recommended, according to a Bloomberg survey. So we have really reverted to an easy, like, here's a screen. Can I just entertain you? Now, now for a second here, I'm talking to not so much the teen mom right now. I'm talking about the younger kids. And and I know moms, I was there too once where you're like, okay, but there's just, you know, if we could just, you know, bide our time and kill some time for a little bit and keep them out of trouble and give them a phone and it'll just be fine. It'll be so much easier. And so we do it. And I don't know what it's going to take for us to how many of these really terrible surveys and all of these things and the habits that we're creating for our kids. We're creating a normal for our kids that I don't think is intended to be normal. I don't know what it's going to take for us to go, oh, maybe I should stop doing this. And it can be done. I I tell you, I am so impressed. I not too long ago over Christmas time, that's when it was, we had my nephew and his wife were here just just amazing. I just adore them. And they've got sweet little kiddos. And I am so used to, to be serious and and no judgment. It just has become what's normal, you know, but it kind of made me check my own expectations here. But I'm so used to when people have younger kiddos that just seeing them give them their phone all the time. Oh, you want mom's phone? Here you go. And, you know, they pass it off. And, and I, it's just, it's just become really normal. So it was quite shocking to me when they were here and so they have three kiddos. They have a newborn, and then they had one that was just turning two, I believe, and then one that was like three-ish or so. But I'm so used to, like I said, like, you know, the phone just kind of being a go-to and people giving it. And, and so I was half expecting that that would be normal in them because they stayed with us for the week, and it was just so fun. And nope, they don't do that. And she said to me, because I asked one morning, I was like, oh, do you want me to, you know, put even on some cartoons or something like that? This wasn't even a, it wasn't even a phone. And uh, she's like, oh, no, we we do that on Sundays. And they watch a show on Sunday. I don't know if it's Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And that's the time that they watch screen that week. And I'm telling you, gals, it shocked me because we just don't see that anymore. 
I share that story with you not to make you feel like so terrible if you're letting your kids watch a zillion hours of TV or whatever. I share it to tell you because I think people like that are worthwhile for us to see to go, oh, it's possible. <laughs> like we actually could do something different. And even if it's kind of hard sometimes, I guarantee you it's hard for her many, many times. But she is establishing a pattern for her kids that makes it so the the screen stuff is not just such a normal habit part because it's becoming quite an issue in our society, obviously, as we're you know going into this topic here. Now, going back to the teenagers here, a few more stats for you here, along with the seven and a half hours that we've got teens going. Another Pew Research study in, in 2018 had that 95% of teenagers in the United States reported owning or having access to a smartphone and 45% reported being online almost constantly, okay? That was the phrase they used when they were asking kids how much they were on. They were like, almost constantly. The survey also found that social media use is a significant part of teens' phone use with 72% of teenagers reporting use of social media daily. Okay, so why are those statistics important as we're talking about mental health? And and here's the thing where we so, sort of just want to close our eyes and we want to plug our ears and just go, I, 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 don't, I don't hear anything, I don't see it, no, 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 these things can't be linked. Ladies, <laughs> there is no way to not see a link. I mean, there is so much data. There is so much research out there right now for that are there's a parallel track between the decline in the mental health of teenagers and the increase of phone use and particularly social media, but screens in general. There's a whole bunch of stuff you could go down that, but I think social media is the most damaging one you cannot deny that they're not linked. And there have been so many studies done now that are showing that link. And even still, even with all the data that is out there, we are still, for the most part as a society, choosing to go, well, that's nice, but I like my social media. Or that's nice, but I don't really want to tell my kid no. And we're just doing the same things that we've continued to do, and we're expecting a different result. We're expecting somehow to have better mental health and, oh, we'll do something different somewhere along the line, I guess. But we don't change anything. And this is really startling to me, but you can't ignore it, right? The first iPhone came out in 2007, okay? That seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? But what did a teenager's life look like pre-2007? You know, and I'm not trying to like romanticize the good old days because whenever we do that, it's, you know, it's faulty. They had their own set of problems for sure. But think about that. We're talking about seven and a half hours. So what were those teens doing? Or if we're talking about the younger kids, what were they doing before we could put, you know, a phone or a TV or a device in front of them? If you want to even go back further than 2007, we had this thing called boredom. And it was amazing because when kids are bored, you will find that they can actually be quite creative. But we have kind of just made it a thing that we that boredom is like some kind of evil and we don't want our kids to be bored because if they're bored, they're going to get into trouble. I don't know. As a boy mom sometimes, no, I don't want them to go do anything crazy. But we do need to be okay with them kind of figuring some stuff out, inventing some things and, you know, doing things. But if you put them on a screen the whole time, they're just not going to do that. So we have this increase with technology, and then we have, at the same time, a huge increase in the mental health. So another breakdown of this these numbers shows us that the prevalence of major depressive episodes among teenage girls for ages 12 to 17, it increased from 5.9% in 1980 
to 19.4% in 2019. Okay, and that's why I wanted to bring up the thing about when the iPhone came out and, you know, when we started to see the spike in all these things, because, yeah, guess what happened during that time? So we went from 5.9% in 1980 to almost 20% in 2019. And that was 2019. I'd be willing to bet in the last couple of years we would even see a spike even from there. Undoubtedly, you can see that there is a significant increase in depression rates among teenage girls just over those three decades. That's a dramatic increase. And I'm just going to maintain my my crazy thought here that somehow the seven and a half hours that are on a screen has something to do with that. Now, a particular evil with this is social media. So let's talk about that a second. So full disclosure, I have three teenagers. They do not have social media and they never have. Okay, <laughs> but they do have smartphones. So let me unpack that just a little bit. The social media thing I don't know. At first, it wasn't as much of a battle at all. But there were two of mine that kind of pushed against that just a little bit. But now even that the older ones are old enough to or, you know, my one is going to turn 20. So I guess he's not a teenager anymore. They still don't have it. I held my ground and I didn't let them have it. They didn't die and neither did I, you know. (laughs) So just I encourage you. Also, my kids did not. They had flip phones for shoot. I want to say, oh, actually, Two of them were sophomores, but one of them did get one at a freshman. It was completely locked down, no internet. He still doesn't have internet on his phone. So lots of things you can do. There's not like a one size fits all on this. And I'm not trying to dictate how that should happen in your house. But I do want to flag that you need to be aware. You also need to hear that when your kids come and say, well, all of my other friends have smartphones or all of my other friends are on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever. No, they're not. No, they are not. So Our kids are, we love our sweet children, and they love to say that they're the only ones. Moms, it's not true, okay? It's not true. So we never did social media. Now, I also want to put this full disclosure out here to let you guys know that my family is not perfect. We have made mistakes. We have not always handled this in the way that I wished we had. We've had seasons where we got lax on things, and then we needed to tighten the reins back up again. So I don't want to be coming out here with this with just this, well, that's easy for you to say or, you know, and you guys clearly have just never had any struggles. It is just not true. I just have am seeing in so much and believing what these numbers are saying. And I see the link and I know that the answer to this crisis is actually found in scripture and not in a cultural program. It's not going to be found on more phone usage. And it's going to result in us doing some things differently if we want to actually change things. So I just feel really strongly about it, but I don't want you to get the impression that, oh, you've just never had any mistakes with this or you've just had it completely dialed. No. And there's lots of times that we just have to have reset the dials moments. We've done that. All, we, I've done so many of those. If you're a parent and you're like, wow, I just, I can't do this, you know, or we've already messed up or we've done too much. It is never, 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 never too late. It is not. Have a chat. Now, be okay with the fact that you're not here to be your child's friend. You are their parent and they desperately, desperately need a parent. They've got lots and lots of friends, but they only have two parents. So be the parent because they really, 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 really need you right now. And being the parent includes doing things that are not popular. They include doing things that are not going to make you (laughs) really, they may not even like you for a little bit of a season, but be the parent. So with the crisis, with all of this, that I I think we could just go ahead and call it kind of a crisis um, with the mental health stuff going on. The social media issue, I want to remind you again of a Colossians 3.5, put to death 
Therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Boy, you could take that list and you could pretty much check a box in all of those things with social media, with TikTok, with Snapchat, Instagram, just the different things that are all on there. You could go, yep, sexual immorality, mm -hmm, it's there. Impurity, yes, it's there. Passion, feeding passions, things like that. Evil desires, covetousness, oh my goodness. Covetousness, covetousness, covetousness. <laughs> there is, and, and that can go whether you're the teenage girl that sees a friend or another girl, maybe it's not even a friend, but you just see images all the time of what other girls look like and what their highlight reel looks like. And then there's this comparison game of like, oh, I wish I looked like that, or I need to be thinner, or I need to have skin like this, or my hair needs to look, I mean, it's a constant comparison game. And then I I love at the end, it says, which is idolatry. You know, think about that right there. How much of the things that we see, the things that we've decided on social media that we are going to compare ourselves to, or the other people that we think that they have it so much better than we do, which is idolatry. We end up putting it in such a place, we end up elevating it where we are wanting that thing over the thing that the Lord says that he has for us. Remember, setting our minds on the things that are above, not on which is earthly. And then that's that list. So these are the things we're supposed to put to death, according to the Bible. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, all of those things, which is idolatry. Okay, so if we're supposed to put those things to death, that's what Colossians tells us, then let's line that up against what's out there on social media. And I just got to say, are we going to kill it? It says to put it to death. So are we going to be drastic enough to just end those things and the window that they have into us? Again, teenage girls, seven and a half hours of this stuff, seven and a half hours. And you may be a mom going, well, but my kid isn't looking at so-and-so. My kid doesn't see any of that stuff. Mamas, okay, you might be surprised. And here's the thing. Some parental control stuff is awesome. And it's for sure, minimally, there's a bunch of those kinds of things that you should be doing if you're not locking those things down. You can lock Safari down so far that it's only like if you decide you want them to have Internet on there because you, you want them to be able to, you know, get access to a homework site or things like that. You can do that. But you can actually whitelist just those websites. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, is that super convenient? Not really. As a parent, is it super annoying to have to go in and have to whitelist every single website that you actually are going to permit your kids to be on? It's totally annoying and it's not convenient. But usually, if parenting is convenient, we're probably doing it wrong. That's not the purpose of parenting. So be willing to do the work. Now, I want to give you guys a kind of a list of a little bit of some more the stuff we don't want to talk about, particularly when it comes to social media. And we just want to pretend that this isn't there. But this came out from a group that is a Christian organization that is helping kids that have got caught up in pornography and different things that are available on online, all the digital mediums. And they outlined these three issues of the biggest things that are facing this generation. And the number one thing that they pointed out, they said, was addiction. Okay, so addiction from a different place, the, a definition for that is a pervasive and intense urge to engage in maladaptive behaviors providing immediate sensory rewards despite the harmful consequences. Okay, so to simplify that, that is an addiction is anything that you have a compulsion, an urge to do that is a negative behavior, but you just want that immediate reward. And you don't even care if it's, if it's harmful, you're going to do it anyway. So 
addiction, according to this organization, that is the number one thing. And in a survey that they did, 94% of kids will have viewed hardcore adult material by 14 years old. 94%. Okay, that is remarkable. One in four kids that were, according to this survey, under 12 are already addicted to pornography. Okay, one in four. So if that's one in four, there's so many of us that want to say, well, that's never going to happen to my kid. That's they're never going to have access to that stuff. I think you need to take you need to take a look at that and you need to ask yourself, you need to ask your kids, you need to think about the things that they're seeing and you kind of need to be in their business. This is one of those things that the, the parents that say, well, you know, I need to honor their privacy. No, you don't. No, 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 no. You don't need to honor their privacy. So that's a huge one right there. So they they have the addiction piece. The phones themselves are so addictive, right? Just the immediate dopamine fix, you know, the the likes. If I post this picture, is someone responding to it right away? You know, a good question just if we get away from the really harmful materials on your phones. But if you can't not look at your phone for like a day, that might be a sign that it has a little bit more control over you than it should. So that might be a good way to just kind of evaluate if even your the phone itself has become addictive to even you as an adult. Well, we have fully developed brains. What about our poor, sweet kids who do not have fully developed brains? And we all remember what it was like to be in junior high and high school. It was not a walk in the park. And now add social media on that and everybody comparing everything. And that's maybe even just on the so-called more innocent side. Once we cross over to the really dangerous adult material, pornographic material that is available online, well, then we've crossed an entirely different threshold that is extremely dangerous for our kids. So one of the things I will add to on this with the mamas that can say that, well, it's a good thing that my kids, you know, I know everything that's on their phones and all that kind of stuff. There are things that kids call secret phones. So a secret phone is a device that maybe, you know, everybody's got their old phones stashed somewhere. You know, maybe you got an upgrade and you stick it in a drawer somewhere. You don't have a cell phone plan on it anymore, but the phone's still there. And maybe even the kid, you know, you know that the kid has it and they will, but they're just using it with Wi-Fi and you just kind of don't think to check that device. It's actually like it's enough of a well-known tactic of teenagers and how they can get around their parents knowing different things that they're viewing by using their secret phone. So this is something that you should be checking. You know, if you've got a stash of those phones or old iPads or something that, you know, you're thinking that nobody's using, I would go check those, do an inventory and find out what's going on there. And definitely any other device, if it plugs into Wi-Fi or in any way has access to the Internet, that's something that you should be checking and seeing what's there. And the stuff that's out there, did you remember that statistic? 94% of kids will have viewed hardcore adult material. Hardcore. This was super eye-opening to me when I first opened, I was real late, late to the game with Instagram, just wasn't really into it. But I finally opened up account, it was shortly around the time that I started in women's ministry. And it was great because like all the sites that I was picking were all these church sites and, you know, I got Bible verses all the time and, you know, Every once in a while, like a home decor kind of thing, you know, would pop up in the ad, but it wasn't a big deal. And and I remember even thinking like, okay, Instagram is really not that dangerous. What What's the big deal? Well, 
then I did a little test and I actually created an account for my high school son on my phone. So he didn't have access to it or anything, but I was curious. And so loaded up, you, you know, you got you got a boy, 17 years old, and you know, they cuz they asked for all his, you know, information in there and I it was to, it was to a, a dummy email that I had and that kind of stuff. So he did not have any access to this. Can I just tell you mamas, there is a vast <laughs> difference between the things that were recommended for me, a mid-40s gal that is interested in church ministry, to what was all of the recommended things for a 17-year-old boy. And it was shocking. And it was so easy to get to. I mean, it was some of it, you didn't even have to like search for it. You could just hit the little hourglass that is like you're going to search and the pictures that came up. There would be nudity just on those pictures. Well, I had no idea stuff like that was available because, you know, over on my 40-year-old mom site, that's not happening. They know the age of your kiddos. They know what targets them, and they're going to take advantage of it. And that is what starts to suck them in. And it just takes one little click on there, and then that can trail them to a whole list of other things. So that's why I say the social media thing in particular is really dangerous because you can absolutely access pornography through Facebook, through Instagram, all of them. I don't know Snapchat very well, so I won't even speak to that. But TikTok, it's all there. And it's way worse than you think it is. It is way worse than you think it is. So I'd like you to just go ahead and imagine if your child has a phone with any of those things on it that you've just handed them a loaded gun. That's what you've done. Because it, it it's literally lethal. I mean, think about what happens to these kiddos that start down the road of being addicted to pornography and all of the things that that hooks them into. The things that that robs them of later in life. It messes with their brains big time. And moms, we're being real silly if we think, and I'm going to say moms of boys and girls. This is not something that just affects boys. This is actually the increase in the percentages of teenage girls that get into pornography is really startling as well. So be aware of these things and that are out there. I know, dire picture, right? But I think we know these things. You know, maybe some of this has been new information. But then one of the other things they, they see is with the addictions of whether it's pornography, just being addicted to things that are bad for us, those then kind of lead into the mental health issues. Because the other studies they found is that on a lot of peer-reviewed things, they have a link between pornography consumption and mental health outcomes like depression, anxiety, loneliness, lower satisfaction, you know, all of those things just to have an overall poor mental health can kind of stem from even the issue of pornography. It kind of just all can lead into it. All of this, gals, is just gross. And guess what? It all came from, you know, a little five-inch device that you hold in your hand that we give to our kids. So while part of me feels like I'm just echoing what I think so many people hear over and over and over, yep, social media is bad. Phones are bad. Our kids, I just, if there's, if we get that, and if we believe that they're so bad, and if we are understanding how serious this is, why aren't we doing things differently? 
And, you know, the negative effects of this may look different for different people, maybe for for your kiddo or maybe for you. Maybe it's not depression you're struggling with or anxiety, or maybe it isn't just that. It seems lately that depression and anxiety seem to be the at least one marker within that mental health category that people struggle with. But then there can be other things that also come from that. Maybe it's an eating disorder. Maybe it's like a compulsion or some kind of obsession over appearances, over like, you know, if there's even one little mark on your skin, you're just completely obsessed from it. It all comes back to, I think, the the social media and the comparison and being able to see just a nonstop feed of how the ideal should look. But all of these, they just result into being some sort of an addiction really to it. And addictions of any kind are damaging. So I know this has been depressing. And honestly, I know, also, I'm just skimming the surface of this. I mean, man, gals, you can really do a deep dive on some of this and it takes you to a really dark place on these things. But I feel like this is just staring us in the face and and I just, I'm not sure what it's gonna take for us to take it really serious and make a change. I mean, those were some really dire statistics for teenage girls in that situation. 60%, 60% feel hopeless and desperate. The attempted suicides, I mean, all of those things. So Let's ask ourselves where that comes from and what's contributing to it. Social media, this is one, just one example. It is a lie. You know, it, it, it's an advertisement at best. And at worst, it's crazy dangerous. I mean, man, have you seen some of these filters that you can take your picture and then you put a, a filter on? One of the most concerning ones I saw because social media is also used for sex trafficking and there's all kinds of really dangerous things for our kids on there too for that. It took a picture of a teenage girl, you know, really young. But then it had actually an aging filter so it could make her appear older. It can also do the reverse. So these are things that people that are predators that are, you know, searching for girls and searching for people to victimize, they use these things to their benefit. Social media, all of it. It's just a lie. Go back to Colossians 3.5. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. God doesn't lie. Our phones, the filters, the social media, the highlight reels, all of those things, most of that is it's just a lie. God does not lie. He can't. He is truth. So before I conclude, I want to just remind you of some things of what he says. Because first of all, let's just talk about our value. We know this. We should if we don't. But it's a great constant reminder because we can't look for our value. We can't look for what we should look like or our our girls what they should look like from that little device that they hold in their hands. We need to see it from the God who created us. And remember that we have value because we're created in his image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 tells us that that he created us in his own image. And that's amazing. So the more we get to know who God is, that helps us to explore that image that he's made us in. That's how we find identity, is in learning who God is. Because that's, we we have his imprint. We have, he, he chose to impart things in his creation from him. That is who we are. That's where our true identity comes from. And that's where our true value comes from. We've got to look for value and identity in the right places and not the wrong ones. We got to remember that we were valuable enough to die for. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You were valuable enough to be died for. That's how valuable you are. Now, I know that can sound like a lot of like Christianisms, like, oh, that just sounds like a nice little answer. Why do we doubt it? God's word says that. And so we know that that is true. Psalm 139.17 says, How precious to me are your thoughts. How, Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. Our God thinks precious thoughts towards us and our kids. And, and his thoughts about us are vast. I mean, you, you can't even count. He's constantly thinking of you, constantly thinking of our kids, constantly wanting to love us. And that, that's what he does for us. So that denotes even right there, great value. But we need to look for that value, that identity in what God's word says about us, who God is and what he says about himself and who we are, not in what anything else, not on the things of this earth, setting our minds on things above. We need to remember, too, that what is true about our own bodies, you know, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? We, you are not your own. Even our physical bodies, we're the, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that should be something that should be protected. And so when we think about some of the things where the social media images and some of these addictions where they take girls to, where they see things that they compare themselves to, they don't like it, and then they run into a place where there's like self-harm there, and they start harming their physical bodies because they don't think they measure up or they think they should be punished for something or what. It's it's all a degenerative thing within the mind and not and allowing something else to dictate those things that they believe to be true as opposed to scripture. And that's why I have to keep pointing out that that's why there is such a spiritual link here. If we were always looking to God in his word for the truth of who he is, who the truth of who we are, none of these things would be an issue, right? Because we would be seeing the true what is true and not seeing the lie of the things that are of the earth, all the things that, that we are not to be setting our minds on. We're made in his image. We're precious enough that he thinks of us, that he died for us. We're his girls, and he is fiercely protective of what is good for us. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But I also want to encourage us as moms and as aunts and as grandmas and as sisters to have some of that protective nature towards his kids and, and being protective about the things that are, are good for them and good for us. We have to start with ourselves and the example that we set too. We have a good father and he has some really big warnings for us. First John 2, 15 through 17, he reminds us there, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here's all that's in the world, here's, here's the list, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Great contrast between the things that are passing away and the things that are never going away, that abide forever, the eternal things. The things that we get all caught up in and are spending those seven and a half hours every day watching, they're fleshly, they're worldly, they're passing away, they're harmful. None of them are on the things that are eternal, the things that are true. 
we're to exchange our affection from not having an affection for the things of the world and the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the pride of life, that, that's saying, no, you don't want to go down that road. No, no, no. Instead, we want to do what the will of God is because that's the peace that abides forever. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is such an encouraging verse to remind you guys that we can be transformed. You know, even if you feel like you yourself have been kind of sucked into some of this stuff, there is this promise here in Romans 12, 2, that your mind can literally be transformed. By the re- Your mind can be just made new. And you'll be able to discern what the will of God is, what is good and pleasing and perfect. But it says that the, before you even start that stuff, don't be conformed to this world. How much do we look kind of like the world in what we do? Don't be conformed to this world. So how do we renew our minds? And how do we replace these addictions and these strong strongholds? It's pretty simple. The world would like to make it, the enemy, I should say, would like to make it sound really hard. And you'll never be able to do that. But I think scripture helps us. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a super short verse. How do we renew our minds? How do we replace these addictions and strongholds? By storing up God's word in our heart. By every time that that thought, that temptation to do that thing, exchanging that for scripture, exchanging that for just little arrow prayers that we ask the Lord to help us, to strengthen us knowing that he gives us the power to, to overcome these things. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, meaning we're weak, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I'm sure I'm not alone in that you've probably sat there and you've been like, okay, I'm just going to limit my screen time and then I won't be on as long. And uh, okay, and then you and then it comes up that says you have five minutes left and you just hit ignore and keep going. That's our flesh trying to go, okay, I don't really need to be regulated. I got this. I'm totally fine. We need to recognize and that within our flesh, we are weak to do these things. But asking the Lord for his strength to overcome these addictions and strongholds, then we can have success in these things. Also, 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if the Lord has commanded us to think on the things that are above and not the things that are of the earth to put to death sexual immorality and our flesh and idolatry and covetousness and all of these things, if the Lord has told us to do that, then he also enables us to do that. For his commandments are not burdensome. He doesn't ask you to do something that you can't do. And I just want to, you know, I'm going to wrap up here, but I want to encourage us here that this is just not too late. It's not too late for if you've never set any, you know, restrictions in place for your kids, or maybe this is for you. Maybe you have been getting into some things on social media or your time on your devices is just before and you're noticing that it's affecting your own mental health. That's that is such a real thing. I would challenge you, man, go off of your phone for a day, for a week, for two weeks and notice what changes. Because I can almost guarantee you, you will notice a big change in your thought life, in how you feel mentally. It will make a big, big difference.
But I want to encourage you that it's just not too late. And yeah, you might feel really weak to this, but his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But can I encourage you to get drastic if you need to? I mean, really, these are some really bad numbers. And, and I guarantee you, we probably, I could probably found some stuff that was even worse. Some of the material that's out there would, would shock us. And it's something that we really need to take a drastic hold of, and we need to do something different. Maybe you think I'm totally blowing all of this out of proportion, and you know, you're like, man, my phone, my social media, it's not a problem. I'm just going to ask you to honestly seek the Lord on that. And by that, I mean, would you pray and ask the Lord to search your heart? Ask him to evaluate your, your habits, your time. Pray for your kids on this. Maybe you haven't noticed anything. You know, when they head off to school tomorrow, maybe just go room by room, go sit on their bed and just pray for them for a little bit and ask the Lord to show you if there are things that, you know, need to be addressed or need to be righted. But pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Because the thing is, we talk about our phones, as we talk about the social media and stuff, all this stuff, it, it's not just a bad habit anymore. You know, it, it, this isn't just biting your nails. The consequences of this are, are just too loud to ignore. And so I think we need to be really drastic with how we deal with this. One of the best things to do on this stuff is to teener plop this stuff. And if you're like, I've never heard of the teener plop, what are you talking about? Pastor Brett talks about it. Debbie's done. And in fact, she just wrapped up a mom time study on this very thing. But I want to read you Philippians 4, 8 through 9, because this is kind of this lovely filter that we can run the things that we see, that we read, anything that we take into our mind, run it through this. And if it meets this list, then it's got a really sweet promise for us at the end of this verse. If it does not, ditch it, kill it, get rid of it, make no provision for it at all. But Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And then here's our sweet promise. And the God of peace will be with you. Peace. That right there is the spiritual answer to this whole mental health crisis. The peace of God will be with you when we do what? When we look at all the garbage and all the stuff that is just sucking us down an abysmal hole, or when we focus on the things that are true, what is honorable, what is just, whatever is pure, lovely. Scripture is so clear on what the antidote is for this, but we must listen to what God's word says for us. And then he will have that sweet promise for us, his peace, truly the answer to a mental health crisis. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.